Quarantine, episode number 54. Hey, yeah, I hope you're well. As you know, what I am prone to do is point out famous number 54s, and I would be so remiss if I missed this 54. You know, where we have our church, we have a barbecue place next to it, which I love, right? I love the smell of the holy meats as I exit the sanctuary on a Sunday. It makes it feel like Old Testament Jerusalem, right? Like you can just smell the sacrifice. Probably didn't smell nearly as good as Hutchinson's, but it's there, right? As you exit the building on a good day with a good wind. So before it was Hutchinson's, it was called Randy White's Barbecue. Now for those you young whippersnappers, who's Randy White? Well, he's a Hall of Fame Cowboys, well, former Cowboys player who wore, you guessed it, number 54. Got to meet Randy one of the times that I was eating at his barbecue. He was walking around the tables introducing himself and talking to customers. So I felt I would be remiss if I didn't literally mention our neighbor or our former neighbor at the church. Famous number 54, Mr. Randy White. We are in God's love. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians 13. We're going to read the whole thing, as we always do. It's so good to dwell in the whole context and then look at a specific section. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith, so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hope all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child, but when I became a man, I gave up my childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now, faith, hope, and love abide, these three, but the greatest of these is love. Today we're covering what is most commonly said at weddings. The definition of love. And we're only covering one, two, three, four, five words. Six, depending on your translation. And that is love is patient and love is kind. Now the translation has it as love is long or love suffers long and is kind. Now, think about it. The definition of love begins in the midst of conflict. You know what I love? I love going to an amusement park and not having to wait at all to get on a roller coaster. 
I love turning in my tax forms every year. And the next day, my return is in my bank account. I would have loved that the moment I proposed to my wife, I throw her on my back, carry her down to the courthouse, and we would have gotten married on the spot. I would have loved that. But the first thing love commands of me, or the first thing that defines love, is in the midst of conflict, because it tells me to be patient and kind, or long-suffering and kind. Y'all, if this was the way love was talked about on America, I, I don't think any of us would want any part of it. And even as we look at the fruit of the Spirit, right? This comes up again. Love, joy, peace, patience. It's all there. So what does this say about our God? You see, we have a long-suffering God. A long-suffering God. And one of the most difficult virtues for us is to patiently bear injuries from others. When we are called to suffer, our hope, like I'm sure mine is, and I know yours is, is that it's short. But many times it is not. Suffering that takes a long time is hard to bear. Think of those who Jesus healed over the course of his ministry. Many of them had injuries that they had lived with their whole lives or um, for 12 years, if you think of the woman who was bleeding or um, the demon-possessed man, he had been possessed for years. And then this man comes and heals them of it. But what does that have to do with us? That says a lot about our God, yes. What does that have to do with us? And that is, if love exists in the midst of conflict, the response to conflict says a lot about if we are bearing the fruit of the Spirit. Jonathan Edwards says this, Some injure others in their good name by reproaching or speaking evil of them behind their backs. No injury is more common, and no iniquity more frequent or base than this. Other ways of injury are abundant, but the amount of injury by evil speaking of this kind is beyond account. Some injure others by making or spreading false reports about them and so cruelly slandering them. Others, without saying that which is directly false, greatly misrepresent things picturing out everything, respecting their neighbors in the worst colors, and exaggerating their faults, and setting them forth as far greater than they really are, always speaking of them in an unfair and unjust manner. A great deal of injury is done among neighbors by thus uncharitably judging one another and putting in injurious and evil constructions on one another's words or actions. R.C. Sproul says this, To bear slander, insults, and harsh criticism requires 
an extraordinary measure of love. We are quick to lash out and retaliate in kind against those who abuse us. Our suffering threshold is low. But instead we must look to Christ himself as the perfect model of long-suffering in the face of such abuse. I'm going to give you a hard truth. This is one of those red pills. First of all, when we think about this, we need to recognize that much of the criticism we receive, though painful, it might not be slander, but it might be justly deserved. There seems to be some sense of truth in the midst of slander. Not all, but much of it. And we just, a lot of times we just don't want to deal with it. So when slander happens, at first we need to examine our own hearts and say, is there truth here? To go to our brothers and sisters in Christ and say, is what they're saying about me, do I need to hear some of this? Can I use this to sanctify myself? But there was one man who was slandered over and over again. And he actually didn't deserve any of it. And you know who I'm talking about. That man is Jesus. He took on criticism more than anybody else. False accusations more than anybody else. And his response... His response was to die for those people. Jesus was long-suffering and kind. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth, and he was led as a lamb to the slaughter, and as sheep before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. Jesus loves us by his long-suffering and his kindness. And in turn, we are called to love others that are in conflict with us. It's the first thing. We're to be patient and kind with them. And if you're not, Jesus has a lot to say about that. Turn in your Bibles to Luke 6. We're going to start on verse 31. And as you wish that others would do to you, so do to them. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those whom you receive, expect to receive, what credits is that to you? For even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good and lend and expect nothing in return. And your reward will be great. And you will be sons of the Most High. For he is kind and ungrateful. He is, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. Now one of the reasons I wanted to cover love as a podcast, is because love is just not a moral ought. 
but it is a defining feature of the Christian. It tells you or bears witness to whether you are indeed in Christ. So my question to you is this, in the midst of conflict, how do you respond? Because Jesus says it over and over again, that if we do not have love, he does not know us. A mark of a true disciple is this feature. And so we must dwell in it and sit in it and learn about it and be sanctified in it and be challenged to it. Because when we love, we display our union with Christ to the world because we display Christ to the world. And we do not love the way those who are outside the faith do. At least we shouldn't. But we're called to love those that we're in conflict with, that we would call enemies because we're at enmity with. And if that's hard for you, plead to the Lord for repentance. Plead to the Lord that he would remove the blinders from your eyes and you would be able to see people in love, in mercy, in patience, in kindness, even though you might not get what you want in your own kingdom in the midst of it. This is a hard truth, but it's so good to those of us who are in Christ because we know that we don't deserve it. But Christ has extended it to us, for we were once his enemies, and now we are his adopted children. Hope you have a great week. Peace.